Hey guys, uh, grab your Bibles and if you'll open them to uh, John 16, we'll get back uh, to the um, to the Paschal discourse. But um, I, I just have to say this um, about this week, gang. Um, I don't know what you what your perception of vacation Bible school is. I don't know um, whether you um, oh, it's just a little cultural. Uh, hang on, a little anachronistic, uh, you know, appendage, whatever. It is not that here. This is a big week. There's a lot of money invested, and there's a lot of women who are going to work, very, and, and men, who are going to work very hard for a week. But we get uh, an influx of um, under-resourced, uh, kids from under-resourced areas, we have a, a, a class of special needs that has at least 40 in it and has the potential to have 100 in it. Um, and so for five straight days, we, from various vantage points, uh, point them to Jesus. It's a great week. So um, we, we uh, solicit passionately your prayers while this goes on. It's, um, it's a lot of effort. And it has a wonderful goal in mind. Now, you follow as I read from John 16. I'll begin reading in verse 12 and read only through verse 15. Jesus is speaking and he says this. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come... He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, this word, this endures forever. Not a jot or a tittle will go unfulfilled. Um... Heaven and earth will pass away, but not this. Finally, we get back to John 16. Finally, um, we had been, uh, I introduced several months ago, this this section of the the, the Gospel of John, which I called the Paschal Discourse of Jesus Christ. It, uh, It occurred during the Passover, John 13, 14, 15, and 16, Chapter 17 I left out because chapter 17 is a prayer. It's a great passage. I just didn't include it in this series. It's a prayer. It's called the high priestly prayer. If you want to hear Jesus pray, then you've got to go to John 17, not Matthew 6. But um, this records the last night of Jesus' life, the last few hours of Jesus' life. Once John 17 is completed... All hell will break loose, um, literally. 
he will be betrayed and arrested and tried and crucified all in a matter of hours. So these are some of the final things that he is saying to these guys that he's about to leave behind. The last time that we were in this text, which by the way was April the 12th, so we've been away from it for a couple of months. The last time I pointed out to you in verse 7 that Jesus said, it will be to your advantage that I go. And that's an odd statement. Um, how on earth could it be to our advantage to not have him uh, with us? And so he explains, he goes on to explain that the reason that it's to your advantage is because if I don't go, I don't send the Holy Spirit. And the, it, um, you getting the Holy Spirit is going to be quite an advantage for you. And then from there, he goes on to say a couple of things, give us a couple of specifics about the ministry of the Holy Spirit once he's arrived. One of the things that he mentions is in verse 13, the other is in verse 14. So we're going to look at them, uh, one out of verse 13, one out of verse 14. That's kind of my, um, my um, outline, if you will, just verse, first point, verse 13, second point, verse 14. But before we get to those, I just wanted to make a quick observation. That's all it is. You may not agree with me. Um, but guys, uh, um, what, this is what's called, I mean, this, is what's, this is the last of what's called the paraclete passages. Paraclete is a word that you've heard before. It's, a, it's another title for the Holy Spirit. This is the last piece of instruction that Jesus is going to give us about him. Um, he has told us a good deal in this section of Scripture, and this is the last you're going to hear from Jesus concerning the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and I would suggest that I, I think many evangelicals are still somewhat confused about who he is, what he does, and what he's up to, and the whole thing is rather spooky. Uh, you know, the Spirit, what, what is that? Um, and, and I think you see that, or at least a measure of the confusion, I think you see it in the way that people conduct operations in the church. Um, um, to give you an example, years ago, um, I listened to a series of sermons. It was a conference that this preacher, whose name you would recognize, uh, he was giving it for preachers, and he, he alluded to Hollywood's seven-minute rule. Now, have you ever heard of Hollywood's seven-minute rule? Neither had I, and I don't even know if it exists, uh, whether he made it up or what, but he talked about Hollywood's seven-minute rule. And, and here's what it is. That, that your attention span, our attention span, is so short that every seven minutes in, in, in movie making, uh, the movie maker must inject something every seven minutes um, you know, to re-grab your attention, to, you know, to wake you up to uh, you know, another, uh, this, this passionate scene or this, this surprise or this piece of fright or just a great something every seven minutes you got to have a spike because there's a seven minute rule you know and what this preacher was saying is that us guys that, that we guys that preach we need to observe the seven minute rule guys i'm not sure i have a spike in 35 minutes <laughs> and maybe maybe that's why you get so much good rest um uh, during these 35 minutes but but my, my point is, can you imagine that, that God gave us the church and his word and, and that we need to conform to some kind of Hollywood seven-minute rule? We have, 
We have uh, church growth conferences, and we have strategies, and we have techniques, and we have political activism, and we got all kinds of things. We've got the blessing of the pets. Um, anything to draw a crowd. And so what you end up with, I think, is a bunch of church work going on that is, that is uh, void of the presence of the Spirit. One of my uh, old-time heroes is a guy by the name of Leonard Ravenhill. Some of you remember that name. Back in the 70s, he was quite a prophetic voice. And Leonard Ravenhill said this, we can build the altar, but we can't bring the fire. Ladies and gentlemen, we can build the altar, but we can't bring the fire. Um, we can have all the techniques and the strategies and the seven-minute rules you want. But uh, apart from this ministry of the Holy Spirit that we're going to talk about this morning, we're wasting our time. You know, Paul said something um, in First uh, Corinthians uh, is it two or one, or he says, I came not to you with persuasive words of wisdom. I didn't come to impress you with my illustrations and my, my academic training and, and my, uh, my wit uh, of um, uh, presentation. I came with demonstrations of the power of the Spirit. That's missing. It's missing here. But let me assure you, Nothing will go forward unless the Holy Spirit is, um, is right in the center of it. Now, with that said, Jesus mentions two things in this text. One's in verse 13, one's in verse 14. There are two things that the Holy Spirit can, that can be counted upon to do. In verse 13, he says, and he will guide you into all the truth. He will guide you into the truth. By the way, in the, the Greek New Testament, the, the definite article, the, is in the Greek. Why it doesn't show up in the English, I do not know. But it's there. Uh, he will guide you into the truth. I don't know that it makes any difference, but he will guide you into the truth. That's one of the things that he can be counted on to do. He will guide us into the truth. Now, he does that in a couple of ways. He does that in two ways. First of all, he, um, he, ins he governs, he superintends, he manages this book. That is, he brought it into being. Did he write it? No, he didn't. Uh, there's a bunch of guys, Peter, Paul, James, John. They pinned it. But the one who superintended its message... Was God the Holy Spirit as he guided his people into all the truth? You know, <laughs> there's several, there's several um, interesting statements in the New Testament about that, that process. I, I want you to see just one of them. It's in 2 Peter, and if, you, if it's hard to find 2 Peter, if you find the Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. I just want to read you one verse out of 2 Peter because I think it's illustrative. He says this. This is in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. For prophecy never came by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke 
as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Um, that as they were moved. Gang, the, the, um, the Greek word there is pheromenoi. Uh, comes from the Greek word pharaoh. It's not really even a verb. It's a participle in the, in the New Testament. And, and here's what it's describing. Um, this didn't come by the will of man. No, no, no. But God took some, some holy men and they were moved. They were pheromenoid by the Holy Spirit. The, the word pharaoh means to carry or to bear. So what the Holy Spirit does is that when God got ready to, uh, to write a book, he found himself a man and the Holy Spirit would take him and pick him up and carry him along as he wrote. And then when he finished, he set him back down. You see, guys, not everything Paul said was inspired. Not everything Peter said or John was inspired. But when God got ready to write a book... The Holy Spirit intervened in such a way, he took them in, picked him up, they wrote, and set him back down. They were pheromenoid. They were the carried ones. Guys, that's because one of the ways that God guides us into the truth is that he delivers into our hands a book behind which is his authorship. He didn't, he didn't pin it, but he superintended, he governed its message so that what you've got open on your laps right now is a book written by some people who God the Holy Spirit, pheromenoid. He picked them up, carried them along, guarded them as they wrote, and then set them back down when he was done. That's something that you can count on, that God the Holy Spirit does. He guides us into all the truth. Now, there's a second part of that. Not only does he do that, but he also... takes this book and illumines it to our understanding. Guys, did you notice in verses 14 and 15, Jesus says, he will take of mine and he will declare. The word declare is found twice. He will declare it. Do you see in verse 12 where he says, Jesus says, well, there's um." There's many things that I'd like to say to you guys right now, but you know, you can't, I can't say them to you right now because you can't bear them. Well, then, then how are we going to get access to those things that he wanted to say but couldn't? Well, here's how. The Holy Spirit of God takes the book that he wrote and then he explains it. He declares it. He illumines the mind of the reader 
so that we understand what it is that he wrote. And over time, all those many things that God couldn't say because we couldn't bear them at the time, he explains them to us, to us, to our application. Let me say something that's very dangerous. But let me finish. This book is not enough. By itself, it's not enough. So what the other part of the Holy Spirit guiding us into the truth is, is that he takes this book, he doesn't give us new revelation, no, 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 he doesn't add to this, but he takes this book and he explains it. To you who read it, to the point that you walk away and you say, there were things about God that I did not know, and now I do. Because, you see, the Holy Spirit can be counted on to guide us into all the truth. Guys, Apart from this illuminating work of the Holy Spirit, you will never get it. But when he shows up alongside you when you're studying this book, this book comes alive. Do you know, you know the text which says it's living and active and more powerful than any two-edged sword? That's what is being referred to the Holy Spirit takes the book that he wrote he sits at your side and the thing pulsates with life because that's one of the things that the Holy, that's, that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does he guides us into all the truth Here's the second thing. It's in verse 14. It's really, really one of my favorite statements in all the New Testament. Jesus says this. He will glorify me. Ladies and gentlemen, any preaching that you hear that does not point you ultimately to Jesus Christ is not preaching because you see, my ministry is supposed to mimic his ministry, that is the Holy Spirit's. And the Holy Spirit's ministry is to point people towards Jesus. So if I don't do that, then I have not done what the Holy Spirit is committed to do. I remember a couple of years ago, um, um, there was a couple who used to go to church here. They were they moved down here from Chicago um, with Service Master and uh, Dave and Barb Johnson. They were precious. They Service Master ultimately moved them back to Chicago, and but they came down about a year or so ago, and they took us out to lunch, Susie and me, and and um, and we were just chatting, trying to catch up. And 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 David Johnson, in the course of that lunch, said this. He said, "I've been in church all my life." And I have never heard anyone preach Christ 
from the Psalms. Well, ladies and gentlemen, then you've never heard preaching. Because you see, this book, mm, superintended by the God the Holy Spirit, his purpose, his purpose is to glorify Christ. And if I preach like he does, then that's what's going to have to take place. I heard, uh, I heard one um, uh, commentary, or I, mean, I don't know if I heard this or read this, but he, he called, I read it, um, he called the Holy Spirit shy. It was like, um, like there was a, a board and the Holy Spirit hid behind the board and then he stuck out his finger and pointed to Jesus because he didn't want any concentrated attention to himself. By the way, that was the seven-minute seven rule from Hollywood right there. <clears throat> Woke you up, didn't it? <clears throat> um, uh, the, the Holy Spirit has a spotlight. And the spotlight, he's always shining on Christ. He doesn't want to shine on himself. No, no, no. Because you see, his ministry is to glorify the Son. And I say to you, my dear friend, any ministry that you've ever been a part of, any, any preaching that you've ever heard that takes your eyes off of Jesus Christ and puts it on anything else, it's not a Holy Spirit-designed message or ministry. Now, that's one of the reasons that I have been so... Um, uneasy with all of this stuff that has come out of the Pentecostal movement because it is it has refocused its attention on the work of the Spirit and that ladies and gentlemen was never his intention Jesus says when he gets here what he's going to do is that he's going to glorify me um his ministry is a sequel to mine. And when he shows up, he'll be pointing people to Christ. Always pointing people to Christ. Now, let me close with four quick lessons from this little portion of God's word. First of all, it is appropriate, it is legitimate, it is acceptable for you to pray to the Holy Spirit every time you sit in front of this book. What you do is you open this book recognizing that the one who governed its message is God the Holy Spirit and you say, God the Holy Spirit would you make this thing make sense to me? I didn't come here to get my thought for the day. My little piece of inspiration so that I can get through my work all day, my work today. No, no, no. I came to this book to find out more about my Savior, Holy Spirit of God. Would you illumine me? Would you teach me what's here? Just show me more of what he... By the way, Holy Spirit, you know those many things that Jesus mentioned 
that he couldn't tell me because I wasn't ready? Would you tell me some of those? Would you lead me further into this walk with Jesus Christ? Oh, Holy Spirit, this is a book that you wrote. And if you don't illumine it to my understanding and application, if you don't explain it, it'll be black words on a white page. And I will walk away from it just as unchanged as when I came to it. Holy Spirit, meet me around this book. Secondly, every time we come to this book, we, we, we bring with us a predisposition to obey what it is that he teaches us. Because very frankly, ladies and gentlemen, some of those things that he's going to teach you are going to make us really uncomfortable. That's who I am? That's what I did to my wife yesterday? That's what I'm doing with my life. But I am here. I am here to get marching orders from the one I believe to be my God. So, teach me, and I bring with me a predisposition to obey it once you teach it to me. I am not sitting beneath this book. So I can be smarter than the people down the street. I've come to this book to check in. I want you to tell me. Tell me some of those things that Jesus wouldn't tell me because I wasn't ready for them. Tell me, tell me about them now. And my commitment to you is that I'm here to obey what I read. Guys, you did know that, didn't you? That this book is not just for us preacher guys that get sermon materials out of here. No. This is the book that is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. So I come and I say, okay, Holy Spirit, would you unexplain it? And then once you do, I'm going to obey it. Which means thirdly, Everything that grieves you, Holy Spirit, is going to go. Remember Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, Paul says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, you want to know how to do that? Well, I can tell you one way how to do that. There's lots of ways to do that, I guess, but I'll tell you one. You come to this book, this one that he intended, this, this, that he superintended, you read something, you find something in there that convicts you of your sin, and you say, That's interesting. That lack of forgiveness that is mentioned in here a lot. That um, envy. Mm. Lying. Porn. Guys. You do know, don't you? That there is no such thing 
as a secret sin. Oh, it may be secret for me or even your spouse, but there is no such thing as a secret sin. I come to this book and I ask the Holy Spirit to teach it to me because he's going to guide me into all the truth. And, and ultimately, he's going to point me to the Savior, and he's going to ask me to follow him wherever that means. And I say, okay, wherever he says follow, that's what I'm going to do. And in the course of my following him, that stuff is going to go. Because it just got exposed by the Spirit of truth through the Word of truth. And then fourthly and finally, the Holy Spirit operates supremely when he draws men to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Guys, if you are here today as one who embraces Christ as your only Savior, you got there. Because God the Holy Spirit gave you eyes to see and ears to hear. If, if, you, if you are one who saw the need for a Savior, it was the Holy Spirit who gave you that. If you're one who, who saw your sin as an offense towards God, that was the Holy Spirit that did that. If you're one whose eyes have been opened to the beauty of the gospel and all of its provisions for sinful people like us, it was the Holy Spirit who did that. Because you see, it was Jesus who taught us. He will glorify me. Has he done any of that in your life? Ladies and gentlemen, it is always my privilege, privilege to invite people to Christ. But if you accept that invitation, it will be because the Holy Spirit has irresistibly drawn you to the one that he came to glorify. Jesus Christ. Our Father made that happen even today. Might the Spirit of God cause men and women to see the great beauty of the Savior, the beauty of the gospel message, the great beauty of his finished work, the, the, the dead-endedness of sin and rebellion, would you enable men to see that today, Father? Do it through the agency of your Holy Spirit. And might we leave here today with the kingdom of heaven being a bit bigger, more populated, because men, women, young men and women have seen perhaps for the first time, I need Jesus.
Oh, yes, they do. Yes, we do. We need him more than the next breath. So draw men to a saving knowledge of this Savior. Do that, Holy Spirit. Do it. Do it now. We ask it, of course, for Jesus' sake.